Legal discussion on tip today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors with me in studio. We're depending on you today, John, for good news because we haven't had very much of it this morning. <laughs> so. Sure, it's Happy New Year to you. Yeah. That <laughs> that, that'll, that'll do. Speaking of the new year, you're going to talk to us about resolutions, yeah, but maybe I, not in terms of the usual thing of giving yeah, up sweets or yeah, drinking. Giving up sweets like or going out walking and yes. running and jogging and cycling, all those good things. All the good do. stuff, yeah. You know, these are legal, legal resolutions. Funnily enough, probably as important as jogging and and eating well and things like that. Mm. Um, but it's I pull out the list that I used from last year and I, I often kind of mirror probably too much the resolutions with what I think I should be doing myself mm. and I mean the very first one and I have to I have to obviously mention the old wills reliable but you know the 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 usual one is every year I say you should make a will and I suppose what I should be saying this year is every year you should review your will because I've been saying it for so long I presume everybody who knows me has made a will yeah. but it's funny because uh, the whole area of wills really uh, what I'm I, and again it's, it's probably an age thing with me but now I'm into the next phase which is succession planning and the whole area of wills when you look at wills wills is really just a small part of a very large set of tools that you should be using in order to plan for what is the inevitable uh, moving everything to the next generation including yourself if there is a uh, moving on but the um, the one of the things that has been around for years that we've talked about is the add-ons that they're they're trying to implement which are the assisted decision making agreements and i mean my dad was 94, nearly 95 when he passed, and my mum is 92. And a lot of us out there are have, you know, people who are reaching that age mm. and a little bit more. So it becomes an awful lot more relevant helping people not only to make a will so that they can plan for what happens when they're not here, but what happens when you you lose capacity, when you're no longer able to make decisions for yourself. You know, those that kind of planning is almost as important, if not as important, as making a will. And the, they haven't yet implemented, would you believe it, even though we've been talking about it since 2005, I think, they haven't yet implemented the Assisted Decision Making Act. They, it was supposed to come in at the end of July, it was supposed to come in in September, then it was coming in November, and now we're talking about the end of March. Right, but now. it's all ready to go. It's, it just has been signed off on, is yeah, that it? No, the bill has been signed off on. Yeah, they the, just haven't the machinery to make to implement it. Right. They haven't. Like, they need to set up a whole new agency, you see, which was going to supervise it. And they needed to have a whole load of... And they are necessary. They needed to educate a whole load of people on how to implement it properly. Yes. But we're almost there, and please God, it will be done by at least the middle of this year. Now, that means that when somebody comes in to me... Whereas, you know, years ago, somebody come in and they'd make a will with you. And, mm. you know, the old one that I often people come in and they ask before they come in, how much is it going to cost? Mm. But now there's so much now involved in it, which maybe actually this year, I'm 40 years in practice this year. 40 years ago, I would have thought, well, I will. And that would be the end of it. And I wouldn't have thought too much about a will. As in, I wouldn't have thought about all the various ramifications. But 40 years on, you realise the messes that can be created if people don't make wills properly 
But now I'm, because I'm at that stage now where you're revisiting, revisiting things like the implications of making will, the tax implications, the family implications and all that. So now you're in a much, it's a much bigger and more uh, serious kind of undertaking on, in my view now, because you're now looking at what happens, you know, if I live to I'm 90 mm. and if I need an assisted decisions, if, oh, and how do I put those into place? What happens if I lose capacity uh, and I need an attorney or somebody to look after me? And I don't mean an attorney in the sense of a lawyer, but I mean somebody who's authorised to mm. look after me. So now you're, now people are, you're talking about, you're making the will, which is the final stage. But at, prior to that, then you could be doing a jury power of attorney and you could be doing an assisted decision-making agreement. And that set is all in the backdrop of the implications in a will, for example, to the next generation. And then you might be looking at the whole tax planning thing. Mm. And, I mean, tax is such a, a factor when you're looking at it. I was only looking at a will that somebody came in to me with there the other day and they had they had made a will and the will had left the house to uh, a nephew and had left a load uh, a number of what we call pecuniary legacies which are money mm. to charity. But of course when the wills were made, what hadn't what hadn't been considered was that if you're giving um, a house to a nephew, mm. capital acquisition tax, which is the gift tax and inheritance tax, is payable. And if it's payable, there are three different thresholds. So what they do is, if if you give a gift to your son, for example, it has what they call a class A threshold. A sounds as you say, get an A, well, you get A, and you're leaving start, you're doing well. But a class A threshold is the highest threshold. B obviously is the next one, and C is the next one. But C is a stranger, and C this and B is the middle one. Mm. So in this case, the middle threshold apply, which was 37,000 some odd, was the threshold. So you can imagine that the fellow who made the will, uh, or lady who made the will, gave the house to the to the to a nephew, mm -hmm. which automatically meant that they were going to have capital acquisitions tax. And then for the it, value over thirty, exactly thirty-seven, whatever it is. Now that that could be a considerable. Exactly, but but that's the kind of thought that you know you need to put in to making a will because leaving then the cash to charity which is obviously a very good thing to do yes but you've then also you haven't made any planning or you haven't made it, given any consideration to the fact that you're handing over a gift with a lot of tax to be paid so it may not have the end result that you wanted so there there that's what we call that's, succession That's, that's very interesting. But yeah. is, is this, I mean, if somebody goes into you to make a will, John, and I mean, this is with the greatest respect, but are, are you, are, I mean, have you all of the information there where taxation is concerned? Because that's a minefield. Oh, absolutely. I mean, do, do you, so do you Fine, advise you on that? should know me better than that, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but do, do you have that advice at the ready uh, for yes. people? Yes. Well, I mean, yes, I have a broad knowledge. I mean, I have, I have, I have a broad knowledge of tax. Mm. Um, but... If I had a particular um, issue that I wanted to try and resolve, I would check with the person's accountant and you'd work with their accountant. But yeah, I have a broad knowledge of mm. capital acquisition tax, capital gains tax. But it is but it is a hugely... But the, the thing about it is that there are so many issues mm. uh, and that's why it is 
can be quite uh, complicated, probably isn't the right word, but complex type of thing to consider because okay you're considering tax but you're also considering family mm. and you're also think considering the person themselves and what they might want to to achieve so it's it's an area you know when you talk about news resolutions it's it's the area that I have been involved in very much so in the last number of years because it's an area that's close to my own heart mm. insofar as you learn from your own experience insofar yes. as you know I have children I'm a part of what is euphemistically called a blended family because I have married twice, so I have children from the from the first marriage. So therefore, in that scenario, not only do you have the complications of having to deal with the tax implications of what you might do, but you also have the implications of dealing with the blended family of scenario. Course, yes. So these are all the... And of course, the absolute very starting point in terms of looking at... Uh, succession planning uh, and as I said to you succession planning can be what you might do during your lifetime as much as what you might do after you're gone and a lot of people think of it as okay I make a will and that'll sort it but uh, actually it might it mightn't sort it at all or mm. it mightn't sort it in a way that you might want it sorted so you also have to look at the scenario is there something that I should be doing now so for example something that that, that I've been involved in over the last number of years is that you set up a situation whereby <clears throat> if there are assets involved or business involved that you get the children involved in the business and you have a partnership type scenario and that you're in a position to move an asset during your lifetime which means that you can plan the move much better. Now obviously you're going to have stamp duty implications, mm. you're going to have capital mm. gains tax implications, you might have gift implications for the children but you take all those and you put all those into the mix and you look at it and you see what's the best thing that you, you could do. And then to complicate it even more and uh, in my own situation, I'm saying to myself, well, OK, I won't tell you what age I am, but I'm, 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 I'm on the bus pass. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, So I'm heading towards a situation where I have to look to how am I going to sustain personally myself and my wife going forward? So you're looking at all because your starting point, obviously, is you're not going to pass. You sh you, you're not looking at making a will, leaving, let the will be the ultimate to pass mm. everything to the next mm. generation and then ignore the tax implications of that. Neither are you going to transfer everything now and then leave yourself with nothing yeah. because obviously then you really are in, running into all sorts of issues. And funny, like it brings in mind a, a question that a, that a client raised with me the other day or rather that I raised talking to them because again in your um, scenario your fact there are so many different fact scenarios now but in this particular fact scenario you had a situation where two people cohabitating um, and um, both of them separated and children involved and one of the parties wanted to make sure that the other party, that if something happened to them that they could continue to reside in the house and the question then the client said, well, how do I do that John? What's, uh, how can I because, you know, if I'm in a situation that if I go first and I don't want any aggro and whatever. Mm. So you're into all these type of situations. And then, and that prompted the question in my mind, from a legal point of view, that there's two types of ways of dealing with that. One is that you give a right of residence to 
the parish that you want to look after. Mm. And then you, you're in a situation where you, you, you look at giving a life interest. And then I said to myself, OK, life interest, right of residence, what's the difference between the two of them? You know, what's the legal implication of the two of them? So I went looking at that. I had a kind of a gut instinct because I remember a case that I was involved in way back at the start, years and years ago, as in years and years ago, anyway, it was 30 years ago, I'd say, when I was a young fella involved in the legal business and I were researching life interests. And at that stage, life interests, you could actually sell the property and put the capital into a fund or you could transfer and, and substitute the property with another property as a life tenant. You can't do that if you have a right of residence. And then the, that begs the question that if you have a life, right of residence and things get difficult, what can you do? And there was a recent, uh, relatively recent uh, judgment of the High Court, if not Supreme Court, that dealt with that issue as to what happens if you have a right of residence and you have somebody with a right of residence and you, want, you own the house but you want to sell it. Can you get them out of it? Can you sell it without their agreement? And that raised the question then is that if you do sell it, how does the court deal with the right residence and value in the right residence? And there was only two judgments of the courts in the last one. Uh, one was by Judge Lavin Jay, who always reminds me of Lavin Jay. Now I can talk of he's he's passed away since, but he was an amazing character because you never knew what you'd get when you went into court, depending on his humour. But uh, <coughs> terrible yeah. thing to say, but anyway. Yeah. Um, but um, but the interesting thing then is the difference between the two. But those are the type of scenarios that you're looking at. So and why 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 just the right of residence? Can they not transfer ownership in the event of somebody? No, but you don't want to transfer ownership. You want the house to go ultimately go to your children. So oh, you, sorry. You just okay. want to protect. I'm with you. I'm with you. The, the, the partner. This, this, the, yeah, this yes. individual wanted to protect the partner. Right. So in in protecting the partner, the question was, how do I protect them? They don't want the house, or rather they are quite happy for the house to pass mm. to the children. And, and, you know, these are the issues that... Of course, that, yeah. That, that you have to of come course. up with. But yeah, I mean, and and the, the, the couple who were living together, uh, had they they had been married previously, obviously. Both had they been people, Had they been uh, divorced? One had, one wasn't. Okay, it does that further complicate that it? That does further complicate okay. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, it does. Oh, but it, like, you know, the whole. I mean, the the whole area of planning is, and you know, and again, when you're looking at a situation, you can't look at it in isolation. Look, if somebody comes into you and says, "I want to make a will," and invariably, uh, you know, at at this point in my, my career, I suppose, uh, uh, on, on the basis that I'm saying I'm never going to retire, but anyway, if you're, you're looking, you know, people will often come into you because they know you very well and you've known them for years and years and years and they'll put the scenario to you on the basis of saying, how do I deal with this? How, what is the best way to do it? And there's a very thin line between telling somebody what they should do and what they shouldn't do mm-hmm. and advising them as to what the implications are on taking different courses of action. And, I mean, as we say, we start with the whole issue of what's your New Year's resolution? And your New Year's resolution is to tidy these things up and not mm-hmm. not have a scenario. Because if you can imagine the scenario that can arise if you don't do something Tidy about them. planning yeah. this. Something I came across lately, I just overheard a conversation at home uh, uh, about, I didn't realise that inheritance is cumulative in that 
if you had an inheritance of you years ago, that's taken into account from a taxation point of view with a current one. Is that is that true? Correct. Correct. That's. I didn't realise that at that's, all. That's called aggregation. The lovely little word, aggregation. aggregation. So the aggregated. Yes, correct. But don't forget that you've got your annual exemption. Um, you can make a gift per annum mm. every year. You can make a gift to an individual of three grand a year. So a lot of, I mean, there's a couple of little things that you would always do from a tax point of view that I would always advise people that, you know, if you have cash, uh, if if you're lucky enough to have a couple of bob or you have a couple of bob in excess mm. of your requirements, um, one fellow said to me 30 years ago, I remember listening to a and he said, if you can keep 10% of your earnings, and I was just thinking at the time, I was a very young man thinking, I haven't even got enough earnings, never mind. I, I, I wish. Keeping 10% of them, you know. But yeah. if you get to the point where, you know, you're at a stage in your life where you have access to cash, I mean, it's a very, very straightforward, tax-efficient thing to do is to give your children or anybody, grandchildren or whatever, mm. or somebody that you might like to benefit, give them, because as a couple you can give them six with three each so that's six grand a year, which is a very, very handy just, yes. yeah, And there's very, no obligation there's from no, anybody's no, point of view no, it's that. exempt right. you're entitled to do it and, and again, you see tax planning is understanding what the tax implications are and then working with it as mm. opposed to evasion, which is avoiding it. You know, I mean, I mean, and it's often a very difficult thing when you're dealing with the states is that you have to ask that question. What what are all the prior gifts? And of course, revenue being revenue. And I, sorry, I should rephrase that tax being tax. There are different rules at different stages. So aggregation at one stage was you aggregated across all classes, A, B and C, mm. and then it went to aggregate against one class. So you only took one class into account. Now, it's at, as it currently stands, it's across all of them. But there are... There are consi- and, and when you talk about that, you're talking about relationship or not related. Yeah, yeah A, B it? and C, yeah. Yeah. which yeah. are okay. the two. But, I mean... Like there are a number of like the big thing about uh, when you're looking at this um, is that if you if you understand what the implications are, you have some chance of planning it because you see you can get various reliefs like agricultural relief, you can get business relief, you can get these reliefs, but they all have little rules attached to them. So you have to you can get business relief for CAT, which reduces the percentage. It takes ninety percent reduction on it if you qualify for it. But in terms of qualifying for it, when you're doing succession planning, you say to yourself, "Well, right, if I own the asset for this period of time, I will qualify." So obviously, you don't you 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 plan accordingly, and that's the whole idea. But you know, when people talk very, about very tax planning, just, just briefly, if you would, John, again another conversation. We're about the, 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 <laughs> this happened last year. We were doing did, resolutions uh, in March. Something else that I heard is that it might be better to, if you have cash, to to spend it on property and leave the property as opposed to leaving the cash. Is that worth thinking about? Cash is always property. The problem with property and leaving property is you've got capital gains tax to consider but you've also got there's two taxes yes there's the giver and the receiver mm. the giver is capital gains tax 
the receiver is capital acquisitions tax or inheritance tax or mm. gift tax, whatever you call it. But on the transferring of an asset, on death is okay because it's an assent. There's no stamp duty. But if you want to transfer the asset during your lifetime, you've got stamp duty to consider. Yes. So, the again, and this is a, a kind of an age-old mantra by lawyers and I'm sure by tax uh, people as well, each fact scenario has to be thrown out there like you literally put it out in the spreadsheet see what the numbers are, see what the exemptions are and what's the timing like, when is the best time to do it mm. because you see, <coughs> at the end of the day, if you retain enough assets for your own personal use during your lifetime they will then have to pass on your death and then you need to look at the implications of that. If you transfer assets during your lifetime, you need to look at the implications from the point of view of capital gains tax capital acquisitions tax and I mean the whole the whole area of succession planning as mm. well is that if you have a situation, for example, that you do leave a will and it does have tax implications, that's not necessarily the end of it because you could literally have a situation where you could do a family arrangement which would alter the implications of the will in, from a tax point of view you know because people often think that when you make a will that that's it mm, that mm. it's literally cast in stone it's a bit like people thinking that you know when you separate that you have to go to court to mm. get a divorce mm. you have to go to court to get a divorce order but you can still negotiate the terms right yeah. Likewise, with a will, you can sit down as a family and go, well, no, if we do it this way, it might be better. And that's the type of... Right, but to post. be informed, I guess, John, to be is, informed, is, is the main thing, isn't it? Right. All right, we'll continue with our resolutions for the next while. We'll be doing them until 2029. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and of course, if anybody wants uh, expert legal advice, John and his team, always available. Look after yourself. You can't say expert. You have to say just legal. Just legal. My colleagues well, will be given out. You can't say expert, can you? Well, you're not supposed to hold yourself out as an expert. I remember the losses. The Are loss, you serious? Yeah, the law society did that to me. I did an ad, not an ad. I did something on the website, and I had this is our area of expertise. And a colleague objected and said that implies the rest of us aren't experts, <laughs> or that you are, we're not, or that my learned friend is more my learned. learned. Friend. Yes, I'm more it. learned than you are. <laughs> Thanks, John. We'll take a break. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie